Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. If you are passionate about growth in your business, if you are growing a purpose-driven business and you want access to education, to resources, and to other amazing businesswomen who can help you do it better every single day, then this is the podcast for you. As we wrap up 2017 and look ahead at 2018, my guess is that you've got some pretty big things on your list of what you want to accomplish and how you want your business to grow. And there is no better way to ensure that you make the big shifts in your business so you can see those results that you want than becoming a part of a mastermind. What is a mastermind anyway, and how can it help your business? A mastermind is the perfect combination of accountability, group peer support, brainstorming, idea sharing, and purposeful goal setting that keeps you locked in to those goals that you want to accomplish in your business. Applications to the 2018 Biz Women Rock Masterminds are now open. All you have to do to apply is go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 2018 dash masterminds. There you will fill out a very, very brief form to let me know that you're interested. And because the nature of masterminds are very specific on who is a part of the group and ensuring that you get the best experience possible as we meet for one hour every single week on a Zoom call, I am going to talk to you personally on the phone as soon as you apply so that I can discover what your goals in business are over the next six months of 2018 and make sure that the mastermind is perfect for you. So go ahead and apply today at bizwomenrock.com forward slash 2018 dash masterminds. Anna Seawald is the founder of Authentic Parenting. She's a coach, an educator, a podcaster, and a mother who provides tons of resources for parents. About half of her company's revenue comes from a very specific type of parenting education, a 12-week parenting class that's been court-ordered. These parents are not choosing to take this class, but are mandated to do so. It's a very special niche that Anna gets so much joy from serving. After Anna books these sessions with these parents, a majority of them either don't show up or cancel last minute, despite her current reminder system. It's a major frustration for her because she feels like her time is wasted. Raise your hand if you can identify with that. During our live coaching call today, I get down to the nitty gritty of Anna's process with the ultimate belief that we train others how to treat us. We talk about her step-by-step process and make minor but significant tweaks in it so she can make sure she's properly communicating how she works. We also walk through how she can set expectations, including how she's collecting payments in advance, so the show-up rate is just one of the many benefits. We discuss the use of a cancellation policy and creating a standard process that all clients can follow. Today's life coaching call is perfect for you if you have ever dealt with quote unquote flaky clients or you feel like your time is being wasted by others or if you feel like your schedule is all over the place because you're just trying to make things work for everyone else instead of you setting the standard for how you work. So welcome to this live coaching session with Anna Seawald. Anna, what's going on, girl? 
<laughs> Katie, I'm so excited to be here today. Ooh, I'm so excited to have you. Okay, we are here ready to do some dirty work. Are you ready? Yes, I am. <laughs> I can't wait. Yay! You won the chance to come on and do a live coaching call with me. And you had a couple of really interesting things that you wanted to focus in on. So I know that we can't fix everything and shed light on everything in your business in the time that we have together, but we can absolutely dig in really deep and get some clarity on one main thing. So why don't you tell me how I can best help you today? Yes. So I have a private practice and I teach parenting classes. I consult parents privately. I run workshops in my office. I do speaking engagements. And there's a particular type of clients that I work with. And my issue is related to that. It's not all parents. These are parents who are ordered by the court to take parenting classes. And they usually don't have money, don't have resources. Sometimes they don't have a car. And I'm telling this information from the beginning because it is related to the challenge. And the situation happens quite frequently. Like the last time it happened was today before our call. And I am just lost. I don't know what to do. Here is the scenario. I would make an appointment with a client, let's say Monday, 12 p.m. I usually call my clients the night before to remind and confirm our appointment. And they usually say, yes, I will be there at 12. So I show up in my office and sometimes I may have one client in the office because some part of my work is online. I do work from home too. Even though my office is very close by, I can walk in 15 minutes. But sometimes when I'm working on a project, you know, I don't want to <laughs> lose time, right? I'm involved at home doing some kind of project. So I make an appointment with the client like today at 12 p.m. I had to see this fellow and normally I would go to the office and wait, 12.05, I'm like, okay, he's late. I don't call him. Maybe he's just looking for parking. You know, people are late. And it's 10.15 at this point. I'm waiting again. I'm like, oh, maybe he's looking for parking. You know, it's a city, very busy. Parking is a challenge. 15 minutes pass by. I'm still waiting. And then after 20, 30 minutes, I'm feeling like a loser. <laughs> I'm getting angry because he said he'll be there, but he's not there. And I could have been home doing other things or working with other clients. Then after 30 minutes, I call him. I say, hey, where are you? He goes, oh, I can't make it today. That would be the best scenario. But sometimes they don't even pick up the phone. Sometimes he might say, oh, can I be there at one? And I'm like, okay, since I'm already here, I might as well wait till one. And then he doesn't show up at one. He may show up at 125. So I lost this entire time and I'm boiling inside. So my, my question is, how do I approach this being late or not telling me that they're going to be late? Or sometimes they don't even show up and I can't get a hold of them. So it's a waste of my time. And my question is this, do I charge them for that lost time that I waited for them? Do I take it away from this session? Do I create some kind of policy and put it on my website about being late and things like that? Do I charge them in advance a fee for a session? You know, it's, it's a tricky situation. Whew. 
Well, that sucks. Let's just, <laughs> let's just address the yuckiness of that now. Let's honor the fact that that doesn't feel good, okay? <sighs> and as I feel from you, you immediately, you want to get rid of that yucky feeling. You want to you want to be able to fix it right away because it doesn't feel good when any of us are getting our time like somebody else is dictating what we're doing with our time, right? And somebody else is wasting our time. And for someone like me, and it sounds like you as well, I am so ridiculously protective of my time, especially as I know your mother, I know you're married, I know you're a businesswoman, you're a podcaster. We got a lot in common here, girl. And I take it personally when anyone impedes on my time. So it doesn't feel good. So let's just honor that. <laughs> um, okay, couple of questions here to help me understand the situation a little bit better. What is the process now for someone needing... It sounds like somebody is mandated to take this class, right? So they're not choosing this. This is something that the court has mandated for them. I'm assuming that there's something larger behind the scenes going on about that they've royally screwed up in the eyes of the law as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, for sure. This particular client who didn't show up today is going to prison in a week. <laughs> Let's say that about that person. But I am a very compassionate person. So far, what I do is I can't hold grudge against them. Let's say he shows up an hour or an hour and a half late. I still provide one hour session and he apologizes and I say, it's okay. Just don't be late next time. And he pays me. But it just doesn't feel right. But on the other hand, I don't want to punish them because my whole approach is anti-punishment. That's not how we teach people. Right. However, I'm going to say a statement that I believe in heavily. You train people how to treat you on every level. You train your kids how to treat you. You train your spouse how to treat you. You train your clients how to treat you. You train everyone how to treat you. So if you're not getting treated the way that you want, it is absolutely worthwhile looking inside and saying, what am I doing that allows people to treat me this way? And what boundaries, what rules, what can I do to allow me to get treated in the way that I want? So right now they're booking the appointment. They're getting referred to you, I would imagine, by the court. Both. So sometimes it's, a, let's say, a foster agency. Sometimes it's DIFIS, Division of Child Protection Services, or it's the courts or themselves. They just find online. They Google and find me because not that many people teach court-ordered parenting classes. So they're finding you this way or they're getting referred to you. They call you. I saw your phone number is huge on the website. So it sounds like you're getting a lot of direct calls, right? So that's how you are choosing people want to contact you. So they're calling you. They're talking to you one-on-one -on -one and then booking the appointment. Are they paying for the appointment when they book it? No, not this particular type of clientele simply because most of them, they don't have a credit card or a debit card. They cannot purchase sessions online or they cannot pay me over the phone. They prefer to pay either checks or cash. Money is hard for these people and I don't request them to pay the full amount for the course. I ask them to pay as they go per each session. So how long is the course that they're taking? 12 weeks. Gotcha. So this is a shaky 12 weeks for you. Out of 10 people who come through here, how many people come to every session week after week religiously versus how many people are like, oh, I can't make it that week. I got to extend it. Oh, I'm missing two weeks in a row. Oh, can I just take two of them this week? How many times does it actually happen where out of 10 people, somebody actually goes through the course as it's scheduled? Not many. 
sometimes I am after them because they start and they don't follow through. But if they have a court date coming up, like they're pressed for time, they need to finish the classes, let's say they have a very upcoming date, they're very eager. But if the court date just someone just called me before we got on the call together and I asked him specifically, when is your court date? He said, it's in July. And I know for sure he's not going to come consecutively to his sessions. That, that's just guaranteed because it's such a far date. He's going to come one time now, then one month will, you know, not show up. But it's, you know, it's not helpful. Anna, what percentage of your company's revenue is made up by these parenting classes, this particular type of program that you offer? Hmm, that's a very good question. Um, gut guess. You don't need to have the perfect yes, numbers in front yes, of you. Yes, gut, gut guess. I would say even half, even 50% of my offline practice at the moment. And how long have you been doing this? Was this the first part of your parenting practice? No, this was not. I've been in practice for about nine years. Mm -hmm. And first I was doing private sessions with different type of people, people like me, people like you. And then there was a need for court-ordered parenting classes. And I have developed a specific curriculum. It's very unique. And not many people teach parenting classes. And my program is really kick-ass, I would say. People do benefit from it, even though there's resistance from them to come to the class. Right. But they really leave the class with, I mean, they write reviews on Google and it's amazing how it changes their life. So I know it's helpful. And I feel from you that you've got a gigantic why and a passion for doing this type of work, because I can't imagine that you would deal with this level of frustration and like <laughs> schedule changing and the work that I can feel from you that it takes to get people there. But the reward and the why behind why you're doing it seems pretty big. Yes, yes. And I can tell you what I used to do that I thought it would create boundaries. I would schedule them back to back. So this way, if you were late, well, your time is up. Sorry, the next client just came in. I can't go on with you. How did that work? It just, just doesn't make me feel good about myself. This is all one-on-one -on -one work that you're doing with these folks? Yes. I can't put them in a group. Because, I was just going to ask yes, that. It's, uh, it would be total disaster. This has to be one-on-one -on -one work done. This can't be like almost like a workshop or a small group type of a setting. It could, it's not that type of learning. No, it can't be. And reason why is every case is sensitive. And there are different types of people. Like there is the drug addict, there is the sex offender, or there is the poor parent who locked her child in a car and went to Target for 15 minutes. And somebody called the authorities and that's a fourth degree felony. You left your child in a car. So I can't put people in a group. It just doesn't work like that. Whew. Man. So it takes up a lot of my time and it's a challenge. On a given week, on a given five-day work week, how many days out of the week do you spend or hours out of the week do you spend doing this work? Because it brings in half the revenue, is that probably about half the time? Does that equate or is it more time or less time? It's, yes, I have clients every day. I try to keep one day off. I don't do client work on Friday or some other day of the week, but mostly every day I have, let's say, three of those people. So 
what I'm seeing right away is the reason I was asking about what portion of revenues it brought in for you and wanted to know a little bit more of the backstory is because there are times in which, and I'm going to equate this for you listening, I want to equate this for a more general sense, which is the client who doesn't have a lot of money. They need what you have, but they don't have a lot of money. So ironically, they tend to be the flakiest and they tend to be the one that is the biggest PETA client, like the pain in the ass client, but they're ones that really fill your soul. And so you're not willing to let go of servicing them. And I have had this with many of my clients before, not that they being the PETA client, but that they are having this exact issue. And so I want you, if you're listening, to make this work for you in some way or equate it to your particular scenario, because I feel all of us have in some way sort of dealt with this. And so the first thing that's coming to mind is sort of a sense of a mindset shift, because I think I think we can start with like a mindset and paradigm shift of what kind of work you're doing. And for example, for this, I would almost say the work that you do with these folks is more of, for lack of a better term, it's not volunteer work, but it's like heavily purposed, I am giving back type work. Okay. Like charity kind of work. Yeah. And I, that word doesn't feel good to me, but like that kind of stuff, you know, like this is me giving back. This is me kind of like donating my expertise and my service because I'm unwilling to not do it. I really see the impact it gives and that makes me feel good. And I want to continue that. However, because of what it is, you can't manage it the same way you manage all the other components of your business and all of the other types of clients in your business. So we kind of got to put it out on its own. So I used to have a business strategist who used to tell us that he would work with like Fortune 100 companies, like giant companies. And then he would work with small, barely getting off the ground, totally super in debt, not profitable companies, right? And so he used to manage those two in a way where he could adjust his payment scale. This was not necessarily known to the client, but he would just do it and it would work. So basically the clients that could afford it would pay the premium for his quality service, right? And then the clients who couldn't afford it would still get him, but he would have really kind of a limited space for them. But he was really passionate about helping that person get out of where they were at such a low phase, right? And so he would charge less. He would have a smaller space in his work life for them, but he would have it and he would manage it as best as possible. So anyway, first things first is sort of a paradigm shift, like really seeing this as your give back work. And by knowing that there's less of a need for it to work exactly the way that your efficient, higher paying clients who of course are going to keep the appointments, there's a whole different way to look at it. Okay. So if we're just now looking at that in that box, then my question goes to, okay, how can we fine tune this process Maybe make a couple of tweaks and take it all. Like accept, what's the level of acceptance where it's going to work best for me? Because I just feel like aside from not offering this anymore, I just feel like there is a level of acceptance that you're going to have to have because what you're offering is not their choice. What they're offering is they're being forced to do. And of course, at the end of the day, they have to do it. And that's why they end up doing it. And of course, once they get there, it's amazing. And it seriously shifts things for them. But we have to find your perfect little sweet spot of what tweaks you have to make, what boundaries can you create? What are the rules that you can put in place that are going to give you the best possible scenario so that you can continue to do this work without getting drained and also accepting 
it's going to come with a little bit of this, you know, in real estate, like if you have an own an apartment building, there's always a level of like vacancy. You plan on 20 or 30% vacancy, no matter what, <laughs> right? It's sort of mm-hmm. that concept. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is all that making sense so far? Yes. Yes. So okay. far I have embraced that Got approach it. acceptance. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So let's talk about what little tweaks we can actually make that will help these folks get trained on how you work. Now you're saying number one, the fact that they are calling in to make this appointment. I think it's a great thing that they're getting a personal touch by you because there's a little bit more person, like it's a little bit more real that they're going to do this and why you're so amazing, right? Out of 10 people, I know you told me that generally speaking, most of these people can't make online payments, but generally speaking out of 10 people, how many could make online payments? How many have a bank account? I I don't know. I have to be honest. I don't know. That's okay. The reason I'm asking is because there are other options besides using a credit card. So there are tools like Venmo. Venmo is a really great tool to be able to like pay someone from your bank account. This is how I pay my babysitter, by the way. This is so nice. So I used to like write her checks all the time. And she's like, Katie, Mrs. Tech Girl, do you want to just use Venmo? It's a PayPal company. But basically, it's a way without them, quote unquote, needing a credit card that they could just pay this. Now, if any of your clients have a cell phone, a smartphone, which I'm imagining the vast majority of them do. Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that you have to now teach them how to use Venmo. I'm just saying that maybe you can offer a couple of different ways for them to pay up front. Okay. And make that the policy. The policy is, is you're talking to me on the phone. Great. We're going to go ahead and pay for your session. Because that's a policy. Oh, what do you mean you can't pay in any of these ways? Okay, let's go to option B then, which I'm going to talk about in just a second. But basically your policy is, okay, when you make the appointment, you're paying. So you can have a couple of different ways to pay. You can set up PayPal. A lot of people have access to PayPal. So PayPal you could do, Venmo you can do, you can take credit card. I don't know what it takes to be able to take online checks, by the way. Like for example, I know that Like my DMV, like anytime I just renew my vehicle registration, I can pay via check. So if you're saying cash and check are their most doable ways, find out somewhere in your financial space what it takes to be able to take a check online. And that would be a really great way for them to be able to do that. So really the first call is you saying, and yes, you should put this on your website. Here's how it works. You're going to call me. We're going to make an appointment. Once you make the appointment, we're going to pay. And then once you pay, then we have the appointment. (laughs) Now, if somebody says, I can't pay any of these ways, I can only do cash. You have a couple of options. This might be a hard line, but I think you could do one of two things. You could say, great, you can drop the cash off. Here's my office. You can drop it off before your appointment. You need to have that dropped off 24 hours before your appointment. Okay, you could just sort of like, and there doesn't need to be any guilt there. Just, hey, that's the policy. This is how it works. Or you could say, well, listen, here's the normal policy. And then if somebody kind of gives you flack from that, they're like, oh my gosh, can I just like, it's crazy. I have like, there's no way I can make it there before my appointment. And you could say, listen, I normally don't do this, but I'm going to allow you to bring the cash to the appointment. However, if you do not show up for the appointment, we're not working together anymore. And that has to be it. These are just suggestions. You can take them or leave them. You and I are on video right now, so not everyone just listening can see this, but you're kind of having like a little anxious moment, like, oh, I don't know about drawing the line in the sand. But this is what I mean by setting those boundaries and training people how to treat you. Now, in doing all of this, by the way, you're giving them every opportunity to treat you the way that you want and to respect what you're doing. And it's your call on whether you want to be soft with it. This is a great part about having 
kind of set policies and how you work, you can break them at any moment. So if you have someone who has really a heartfelt story and is like, oh my gosh, Anna, I just, I just can't, like I'm toting my kids around or blah, 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 life is crazy, whatever it is, I can't. Can I just bring the money to you on Wednesday when we meet? And you could say, you know what? And you could tell them the pain point. You know what? Typically, I don't let people do that because it just means that oftentimes if you don't show up, then I have now planned for this time and now I'm just sitting there waiting for you. Are you 100% sure you're going to show up at that time? Okay. If you can promise me that you are going to show up at that time, then just this once, I will let that happen. So that's one way of doing it. That's one option. How's all this feeling for you so far? This is good. This is good. What I have done in the past too, when people have a heartfelt story, I know like they're scrambling their pockets to put together the amount and it's like crumbled $1 bills. And, you know, it's kind of touches you in some ways. And I know it's hard for them. And I have offered many, many free sessions. Sometimes I would say, okay, you pay me for two sessions. The next six sessions will be free. Or there was a person who was homeless almost. He was living with someone, a decent human being with a lot of medical history. He didn't have the money, but he needed the classes. So I do a lot of pro bono work too with this clientele and they do pay. It's not like they argue I want to be clear that they never give me a hard time. They don't say, I don't have the money. They always find the money. It's not much. I don't charge the same amount as I do with my private clients. Obviously, I am very sensitive to what they can afford. And they never argue. They always pay. The payment is not the issue. It's just getting them there and making it happen is the issue. Maybe it's my own lack of boundary and being a little firm now that I'm brainstorming with you. It sounds like it's more of a my issue. I need to tighten some. Well, I want to make sure that I'm clear and I'm glad that you're saying that. I want to make sure I'm clear. I get that this is not just a money issue. However... Money is one major part of this equation. If somebody put money down, especially somebody who doesn't have a lot of money and they're scrambling and they're going to be paying you with crumpled dollar bills, if they already paid for something, they are significantly more likely to show up for it. If they have the money in their pocket and they know that they need to go take it to you during the time of their session, they haven't let go of the money yet. So they're not as incentivized to come. But I understand that that's not the only thing. So let's address the other side of that coin, which is... What can we tweak on the part of the scheduling and what that actually means, okay? So I'm going to come at this from a couple different angles. Do you have times blocked out already on your schedule to fit in these appointments or are you are you dealing with them as people call in and like what's available for them? Where are you putting these on your schedule? The latter, yes. Um, it depends on their schedule. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they want evening classes. Sometimes I do teach the classes on weekends. It just varies because it depends on their schedule, their availability. Sometimes they don't have a ride. They depend on other people to get to me. So it's very haphazard, I would say. It's not very organized. I don't have blocked time for them. If I did have a blocked time, it will never work out because, I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, Monday from 10 to 3, I am open. But if the person cannot make that time, it just doesn't work. So I am flexible to meet their needs. Do you think I'm too catering? And too, this is what I'm hearing myself. Oh my gosh. Am I, <laughs> I, this is terrible. No, it is not terrible. 
I'm glad that you're kind of seeing and hearing yourself say some of this stuff. But I think that in everything in life, it's really important to have standards for how you work. One of my favorite phrases in business has been, here's how we work or here's how I work so that you give people the expectations of how they can expect to go through your system, how they can expect to be serviced by you. Because if they don't know, they're just going to do what they do. And it's going to be like kind of a free for all. Oh, what do you mean? Okay, when am I available? Even if your appointments never end up being at the exact same time, anything like that, if you merely included the words in that initial conversation, here's how I work. This is step one. First, you and I are going to pick an appointment time. Second, you're going to go ahead and pay for your first class. And by the way, you might actually say this is a 12-week session. Again, you can set these standards and then move back on them according to what you're feeling in the conversation. But for example, it might be, hey, you and I are going to figure out when our next 12 sessions are going to be. Or at the very least, you could say, hey, we're going to work on the first four sessions, right? A third of it. So let's go ahead and schedule the first four sessions. Great. Now that you've scheduled those first four sessions, you're going to go ahead and make a payment for those four sessions. Okay. May not happen, but you can always back away from that. By doing just that, you're establishing that this is not just like a one-off here, one-off there, come when you can, pay when you can, schedule when you can. You have a program In your own words, you have an amazing kick-ass program that really helps them. So even though they are not incentivized to come other than negative reinforcement, really, they have to come. It doesn't matter. You can, you can tell them, this is how I work. This is how the program works. So it would be really good for you to spend some time on that process. What is the ideal process? In my personal opinion, Here's how it works. Step one is you call us to make it to book your sessions. Step two is we're going to have a conversation so I can find out a little bit more about you, what your needs are. You can find out a little bit more about how my program works. Step number three is we're going to book your first four sessions. Step number four is you're going to pay for those sessions. And step number five is you're going to show up for session number one. Somewhere in there, there might be Well, I don't know if you would have a refund policy if they, I don't know if there's, if they need these classes, I don't know when that would look like. But the reason you're having that conversation with them in the first place is because there might be somebody who's two weeks away, their court date, and they need this and they need to do 12 sessions in a row, right? So anyway, that's just an example. That doesn't have to be the template that you create. But do you see what I'm saying when I'm talking about the template of how it works? You need to know your process so you know that you can communicate it and then you can bend the rules when and if you want. So... On the back end of the time management, you call? You call them the day before? Yes, yes. Okay. I'm imagining that you leave a message. What percentage of the time? Uh, Yesterday, I left a message twice for one person and then he didn't call me back and it was Sunday. Then since I didn't hear back, I want to make sure that, that he gets my message. I called him again at 8.30 p.m. and he answered the phone and he said, oh, my message doesn't work. I don't know. I didn't get your message. I'm sorry. And we were able to communicate. I normally don't leave a message because with people, especially with this kind of people, they're not the most responsible people. I try to speak in person. And as I am strategizing with you, I am understanding that this is my lack of boundaries and firmness because these people do need that. They struggle in life with just that problem. And I am adding to that by being too fluid and flexible and 
wow, I just saw something. I never even thought about it. So you want to do the best that you can for yourself while you still can make a difference for these folks. But that doesn't mean that you need to get walked over. It doesn't mean that you need to get your time stolen away from you. So a couple of practical recommendations. Don't call as a reminder. Send a text. Oh, no. I have a very strict rule. I do not text with clients, especially with those people. And sometimes their phone number changes too. It's it's complicated. Do they have email? Is there any sort of um, standardized, here's the way that I know that I can be in communication with them? No, I think the best way is calling them. They will never check their email. I, I don't think it's a possibility. Okay, gotcha. The reason I'm asking that and I'm challenging that particular piece of your process is because it's time intensive. It's very time intensive and it doesn't seem to be proving effective as a reminder tool. So you might just want to question, actually, what you might want to do is when you're on the phone and booking the appointments with them, you might want to say, how would you prefer that I remind you of this? And I don't know why you have your no texting policy. Maybe it's because you don't want people to know your personal cell phone number, which by the way, there are workarounds on that. No, that's not that. It's my, I mean, my phone is my cell phone number, but if I text with them, are you kidding me? I have made that mistake before. Then I came up with this policy. It's back and forth, back and forth. The whole life story, baby mama, this. It's too much stuff. And I just cannot. I need to create boundaries for, for my sanity too. I can't be involved with that right, right, too right. much. Well, so the reason I'm trying to come up with whatever the solution is that can basically work as like an alert that isn't you're getting a lot of my time and you're you now have full access to me. But what what you said, I'm sorry to cut yeah, you off, no. but you, you already said if I make them to commit to, let's say, four sessions in advance, then they can put and I can ask them what's the best way of reminding you. Maybe they can put it in their cell phone reminders right then and there. That would be awesome. It, right? You can literally walk them through that. Great. Do you have that reminder set for the day before? Awesome. Cool. I'll see you then. <laughs> now, the most professional really would be an email or some sort of event reminder. But if you're pretty confident that that's not going to work for them, then that's not going to work. So that would be one thing as far as reminders, okay? Now, you should absolutely have the conversation when you're setting up the call with them what the cancellation policy is. Do you have a cancellation policy right now? Uh, no. Meaning the class cancellation or the program? If someone needs to cancel their appointment, for example. So when you're on this phone call with them and on that initial phone call booking their sessions, you need to have a clarifying conversation. This is all about setting up the expectations. This is how we work. If you need to cancel, that cancellation has to happen 48 hours in advance prior to the session. If it does not you do not get your money back or whatever result you want to have. I don't know, whatever you're comfortable with. If you do not, then you could share. I mean, number one, like it really Im impedes on my, you don't need to go even go there. If, basically, you just say, if you need to cancel, this is how you do it. And if you don't do it this way, then it's going to be on you to be in communication on when you're going to redo these classes. Or it could be, if you need to cancel, it needs to happen 48 hours in advance. If that doesn't happen within 48 hours of your appointment, all of those other appointments are now off of the schedule because they're incentivized to keep those classes. So it's on you to call me and rebook all of those sessions that I've already collected money for, FYI. So 
These are like little tweaks. They're the tiniest little things. But in my opinion, on this particular arm of your business, it is hyper important to set those standards and policies and procedures up front during that conversation. Do I expect that they're going to remember everything? No. However, what you're doing is you're setting the standard for how you work And you are making sure that they see you and respect the program that you're fulfilling. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. This, this has been so helpful. I cannot believe. What, what, what is your biggest aha from all of that? Cause I saw your eyes light up a couple of times. Oh my gosh, everything. Yes. Duh. I do need some kind of policy cancellation policy. I love the idea of booking sessions in advance with them, getting the payment in advance, everything. It's just creating some kind of structure that will help me and help them too. I can't wait to implement this. I really am so like excited. Yay! Okay, good. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad that that helped. And remember, as I mentioned before, this is about creating standardization so that people know how to work with you. You are more than welcome to tweak it, to bend it, to shift it, to let it evolve as time goes on. But having something set is at least a great starting point because you are the one in charge of training people how to treat you. I know. That's great. (laughs) I I am very excited and enlightened and I couldn't see my own shortcoming. Now I do. (laughs) Well, it's not, it's not just a shortcoming. It's like, it's, this is why we strategize, right? Like this is why we let other people look in on our businesses because we can't always see it. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing your situation that I know a lot of other businesswomen have dealt with and or are going through right now. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you for having me. And I hope this can help other people too. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this episode today. I am so grateful that you are here listening. If you want to connect with your fellow listeners and start having more and more business conversations so that you can learn all the intricacies you need to learn about growing a business and growing it purposefully and making it grow beyond what you can possibly imagine... Go connect with thousands of other business owners in the Biz Women Rock community. We have a private Facebook group that is totally free for you at bizwomenrock.com forward slash group. I look forward to seeing you in there.